Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. Ah. It's Tuesday, July 14th. A cool morning here in Santa Fe, which is a welcome break from the heat. I want to call it relentless, but it wasn't exactly relentless. And now it has indeed relented, so definitely not relentless. <laughs> um yeah it's um still in the low to mid 60s this morning uh cool overcast we did get some rain last night not a lot but looking we're moving into the monsoon pattern maybe right as i got the drip system working <laughs> But that's okay. That's all right. You know, this kind of drip system, it's not the uh, clearly not the professionally installed variety. It's um, the kind that you put together from the pieces that you buy at the store, you know, hardware store. And um, they say in the instructions that you should take it up in the winter and bring it inside, which probably helps at last. But... Um, Boy, you know, that's that would be a lot, <laughs> even more work than sort of repairing and everything. What I need to remember to do is in the spring is walk through and um, really pace the whole thing and check every single outlet and connection. That's, uh, I, probably, I try to skate by without doing that, and that just has to be the thing that I do. I did find that a bunch of these little sprayers that I had, they're kind of cute. They're like these little buttons that you could put directly into the major hoses and then they would spray for, you know, like a couple feet around. And those, none of those were working, I realized. I, I guess I'd kind of forgotten to check for them and all this. But I think they get clogged up with the mineral deposits because we have very hard water here and what have you. Dirt and insects and things. So that that is one thing about living here. Um, it's I don't know if it's that we get have so much dust more than other places. We might, um, you know, and we have the hot winds that blow sometimes. But anyway, we just get accretions of stuff. You know, like in the window hinges and the cranks, we get this buildup of guck, of dust and, you know, like spider webs and things. A lot of insects here. All the better to feed my bluebird babies with, right? But I think that, you know, like some of this stuff just has to get cleaned out. So anyway, I pulled all those out and soaked them in white vinegar overnight, which is an excellent home red remedy for removing uh, mineral deposits left by water. See, you get all sorts of household tips from first cup of coffee as well. And we'll see if that works. Uh, I tried it with apple cider vinegar because that was all I had, and that did not work. But then David got me some white vinegar at the store, which is my usual go-to. And it's what I use, you know, like on the humidifier and stuff. So we shall see. I am, I'm sure you will all be waiting with bated breath, uh, wanting to know, did it work?
But anyway, that's why some parts of the garden were looking pretty dry. It was, you know, sort of just like the ground cover under the tree and stuff. But I was like, why is this drying out so much this year? And it's like, oh, because those sprayers weren't working. Alas. Alas, alas. But you'll all be happy, those of you who listened to yesterday's podcast, to know that the little plant I was messing with is looking all sprightly this morning. So he just uh, wasn't quite getting enough direct water there. You know, it's funny because he was getting water from five inches away, and that is not close enough. Not in this heat, anyway. Or in that heat, the former heat. Hummingbird is visiting us. Good morning, Hummer. How are you? She's going to sit there on her vine and look at me. And then get to her feeder. I guess birds are very good at visual recognition. I've probably mentioned that before but they say that humans well they are humans <laughs> that that birds and even having birds can recognize um, individual humans that's what I was starting to say they don't have much sense of smell which is why you can put baby birds back in the nest and um, not have the same problems that like if you try to restore a baby mammal to its parents after uh, smearing human scent on it but hummingbirds are very good at visual stuff they have really good visual brains which is partly why i made that zinda's first form because hummingbirds travel for very long distances they have tremendous stamina and they are very good visually so Besides that it was cool. Ah. So I did a lot of work on the Promised Queen yesterday. Um, I was still going through track changes, but working on those longer sections that Jenny flagged um, and did um, quite a lot of, even though a lot of cutting, um, I was bitching to Kelly Robson on Messenger about it, <laughs> and, and she was petting me, so it was very kind of her. But, you know, I just hate cutting. Um, and it's not that, it's not the killing my babies thing. I've never really gone in for that. I mean, obviously, there are some things that I uh, feel what, you know, sad about letting go. Like I said, I was going to post the funny thing to Facebook yesterday, which I did. And uh, library addict, if I would post it to the blog on Wednesday for people who are not on Facebook. And I shall endeavor to remember to do that. Um, we know how my memory is, so we'll see. I will try. Maybe I'll put a few on there. That could be just my blog post tomorrow that would get me out of having to think up something to write about. <laughs> my The snippets. The snippets. Um And it was interesting. Um, oh, I know, with the cutting. Why do I hate cutting? I think part of it's because there's, there's a couple layers to it. It's difficult for me to tell what needs to be cut. Uh, I'm actually much easier when Jenny flagged like an exchange of, of two or three lines. And she says, I think this could be cut. I'd be like, okay, fine. <laughs> 
cut it then. Um, it's when it's a longer section saying, I think this can be condensed. It's hard for me to tell what could stay and what could go, first of all. And then in the second place, it's difficult for me to untangle it. And I think this might be easier for writers who write kind of in chunks. But for me, there's so many layers and levels to the conversation, at least in my head. I don't know if it feels that way um, when you guys read it. But it's difficult for me to, to take it apart and know which things can go. Clearly, I need to practice this. Um, I need to get better at it because I do think that clearly some things do go on too long. And sometimes that's a, an artifact of me figuring things out, like the strategy sessions. I need to be better about going back and trimming those down. Because, I mean, overall, I, I did do a good job of cutting, I think. I cut about 3,000 words yesterday. So, yeah, go me. Woo. And so now I'm down to like 114,100. And as we recall, our assignment is to have it come out around 112 to 115K. And I do want some room to write those extra scenes at the end. And to refresh everyone and myself, I'm going to finish doing these cuts on these or these condensations, the trimming of these sections that Jenny flagged. And then I will go back from the beginning and I'll see how much I can trim. And then I'll add to the end. And then maybe I'll make one more pass. We'll see. I might send it to Jenny since she's planning to do another another pass. And I could do another read through then. So, <laughs> but one chapter she had said... She had noted a couple things on it, and then towards the end of the chapter, she had said, I think that this section could be condensed. If Could we get to these ideas faster? And I was looking, and, you know, I keep track of my chapter word counts because I keep track of everything. And that chapter, okay, past Jeffy, <laughs> that chapter was 7,200 words. Whereas the average chapter length for that book was about 5,000 words. So it was really long. <laughs> it was a long chapter. It was 25 freaking pages. And it didn't need to be. Um, Jenny was absolutely right. So I am grateful for her editorial eye. It, um, there was a lot. It, it actually wasn't that difficult to cut. It was also the last thing I worked on. So I did... Um, I did ramp up. You know how it's kind of it's kind of like house cleaning. When you first start cleaning house and you decide that you're going to purge your closet or something, and at first you don't really want to get rid of things, and you keep thinking, well, what if I need this later? Oh, but I always love this thing, even though it doesn't fit. But then once you get in the groove, it's like you're just, throw it all away, burn it down. <laughs> so I think I was finally in that mode of, yeah, this can cut, this can go, this can go, this can go. Yes, I am saving it all in an outtakes file. But regarding the idea that <laughs> I don't always know what to cut, you know, people always seem to think that authors know. They're like, oh, you know, just 
like there's always this advice, take away anything that doesn't drive the scene forward. And it's like, well, wait, wait. <laughs> you know, first of all, that's a plot-driven model because a lot of stuff can be about character or about giving the reader uh, a feel and experience. I think that can be useful if you're writing very, very short. If you're writing short stories, you have to trim away absolutely everything that's not directly relevant to driving the story forward. For novels, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I don't read for, you know, just take me from plot point to plot point. I know people do, and they're probably not my readers. But anyway, one of the things I ended up doing yesterday was, um, because I was going through the track changes and going to Jenny's comments that were not the low-hanging fruit that required more thought, one of them was, she said, I feel like this beat could take a little longer. This is a very emotional scene, and it moves a little too fast. And I was looking at it, and I thought, huh, I thought I did have more on that scene. And so I went to my outtakes file from that revision, and it was after I'd finished the draft and then revised it before sending it to Jenny, and I did have a much more stuff in that scene. And so this goes back to the apple picking thing. <laughs> <laughs> the apple picking analogy being that somebody later will say, well, how did the apples get in the basket? And it's because I just took out the whole apple picking scene. Well, in this case, in this scene, I originally had Ambrose and Leah and Merle all together. And Ambrose was sort of talking Leah through something, giving her advice. And I decided that he didn't need to be there and that it was better for it to be just Leah because this is a point at which Leah is figuring out what she's doing and I wanted it to be just her. So I had gone back and taken Ambrose and Merle out of the scene and I was also not entirely sure about Leah's choices in this scene. And I think I probably mentioned this when I was drafting, for those of you who pay close attention to these things, um, which I appreciate. I, I think it's wonderful that some of you do. <laughs> so I was really waffling on whether or not Leah should do this thing. And when I went back and took Ambrose out of the scene and had it be solely Leah's decision, I also changed it a bit more to compel her to make the decision. And upon reread, I could see that, no, that that was a little bit of a chickening out, that Leah needed to make this decision more with more thought, not as a reaction, but as a response, and which was exactly what Jenny had flagged. So I ended up putting... <laughs> some stuff back in in that scene and reworking it. So I think that this is proof that I don't always know what to cut. But also that multiple revisions work well. So the chapter that I cut down heavily, I didn't quite finish when I finished my three hours yesterday, and I'm trying to be good about sticking to that. So I... Uh, I'm going to finish that chapter today and maybe finish trimming that chapter today and then maybe 
maybe take a um, another pass at it. Or I might wait. I might let it cool. But it's funny because I even had one of my characters observing that sometimes the conversation with the group careened off the tracks like a mine cart with a broken brake. Those of you who've read the books will recognize that as Khan's observation. <laughs> and I think that should be a signal to my author self. It's like, okay, Jeffy, your conversation is careening off in wild directions and you need to tighten this up. So I'm going to try to get better about that. That's my new, my new uh, resolve. So, but anyway, it's, it's going well. It's tightening and trimming and it's uh, getting sleek, emerging from the winter shagginess and getting all polished up for y'all. It was funny, I saw yesterday, oh, and I meant to Google this. Hang on, let's see if I can, now pause. Okay, so I, I wanted to Google that first because I didn't want you to be able to f Google it and figure out who I was talking about. <laughs> so I'd make sure that other people did this too. But I saw some a writer describe themselves as being a writer and podcast personality. And I look to see, and other people have done this too. But it struck me as funny. Um, and I, I didn't want it to be anything against this person in particular. But I thought, podcast personality. Hi, I'm a podcast personality. It just strikes me as a really weird <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I, it is. It sounds an awful lot like podcast pod person, right? You know, I mean, it's, maybe we are pod people. We are all pod people. Um, podcast personality. I guess, um, I guess we talk about like TV personalities, right? Radio show personality. So I guess it comes from that. But... I don't know. It seems weird to me to talk about someone being like a personality that is somehow divorced from the person, which I suppose a lot of people are. You know, here I am performing my podcast personality for you today. I don't know. It just struck me as really odd. I know a lot of people are trying to um, work their podcasts into more money-making enterprises, which... You know, clearly, I am. That's not my major focus, though. You people who have donated, I greatly appreciate it. It's really wonderful and helps. So, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. It's uh, reacting to it the same way. And maybe I'm just a cane shaker. I could be just, you know, this is my version of you kids get off my lawn. Um, I reacted this way the first time I heard um, authorpreneur. I am an authorpreneur, meaning a combination of author and entrepreneur, which was basically a translation of I'm trying to figure out how to write books really fast so I can sell them on KU and make a bunch of money. <laughs> I don't know. I think anytime somebody like has to come up with sort of hybrid name for what they are, it's like they're trying to 
pull one over on you. Maybe that's why I react that way. It, it feels fake to me. You know, it's like saying beverage or food, you know, cheese food or almond beverage. It's, it's a way of waving your hands and saying, well, I'm kind of like this thing, but I'm also a fake version of it. <laughs> so anyway, that was my, my weird thing. I feel like I am not a podcast personality. I am, I am me, and we're all about the intimate chat here in the Great Barber, and I'm going to try to be as honest with you guys as possible, honest and authentic, so I do my best, and so now I'm going to go and continue purging this document, I'm going to Marie Kondo it, right, okay, um, see that's the problem, you know, if I ask myself, does it bring me joy? Yeah, well, it all brings me joy. <laughs> Cutting does not bring me joy. All right, I'm really going to go. Uh, first Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. You will find other podcasts you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all on Thursday. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>